0: From MPB Think Radio, this is Fix It 101, the home improvement show to help you do it yourself. I'm Jason Klein, here with Dale Moore from Affordable Solutions 601, and Jeff Simmons from HouseWorks is out this week. With the high temps outside, it may seem like we went straight from winter to summer. I think there was like two days of spring. So with uh, no time to waste, it's time to check your summer maintenance checklist and get started on your summer projects. Also, with Memorial Day holiday in a few days... We'll talk grill safety and outdoor entertaining tips with the National Fire Protection Association. Share your comments and experiences with us this morning by calling 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464 or send an email to fixit101 at mpbonline.org. This is FixIt 101 from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit MPBOnline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. From MPB Think Radio, this is Fix It 101, the home improvement show to help you do it yourself. I'm Jason Klein here with Del Moore from Affordable Solutions 601 and Jeff Sammons from Houseworks is out this week. But. With the high temps outside, it may seem like we uh, went straight from winter to summer. It just turned on one day. You know what I'm saying? I mean, just like the weather just like flipped, and all of a sudden it was summer. It was was humid again. It was 90 degrees, and it was raining at 3 o'clock every day. It's time you know. to go swimming. Welcome to Mississippi. <laughs> anyway, um, so this uh, this morning we're talking about, you know, summer maintenance checklist. Stuff you can do, get started on your summer projects, also with Memorial Day holiday. In a few days, we're going to talk grill safety and outdoor entertaining tips with the National Fire Protection Association. That's pretty cool, too, because, you know, that's, uh, you know we walk around and we get under trees on a wooden deck and fire it up. You know, Uh, you can share your comments and experiences with us this morning by calling 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464 or send an email to fixit101 at mpbonline.org. I'm going to have to ask them when I get online. I'm sorry. I was just picturing while I was saying that I was picturing on the air years ago. uh, I was at my brother's house for Thanksgiving. And he did that thing where you you fry the turkey, you know, <laughs> and all the grease came out and like, woof just on fire everywhere oh, on the deck. No. <laughs> too much anyway. grease. Yep, too much. Yeah, he didn't know how to do it. All right. Um, so, yeah, this is a good day to start talking about that. Dell, how is everything going for you, man? Oh, man, I'm feeling good after the quiet
1: storm. Right. You know, um, <laughs> well, try to, juggling in between and out of these storms, we're having light, little, quiet ones.
0: Now, have you been able to get any um, any small uh, jobs done recently? I, I like have, hearing about the small jobs because I yeah, have, yeah, I have. Um, I, you now know, don't, don't tell me about building a foundation <laughs> for some ship or something somewhere. Tell me about a doorknob or something, man. Yeah, actually I had um I used one of the old carpenter tricks. The uh door was
1: not catching. Uh-huh. And I used um a paint stir stick to bring um the uh the catch plate out. Oh, yeah. And you know, it's it's just like a
0: reinforced door now. Good for you. You know, I had a friend uh text me just the other day and said I've got a screw mm-hmm. on um door frame. Mm-hmm. Right. That the screw is stripped out. Oh man. And, and of course, you know, I went to our old trick. We talked about this the very first episode of Fix It 101. Toothpick. Toothpicks. Yes. That's right. You gotta have toothpicks. Uh, you take these toothpicks and you jam all those toothpicks into the hole and break them off. You can put some glue in there and mm-hmm. hard it if you want to do that, but you can just put that screw right in there after the toothpicks. And what it does is it's in that wood back up, you know, so that the, the teeth of the screw have something to grab. Yes. Right. So anyway, do remember that tip. That's a lot of fun, and, and I got to use it just the other day. Um, okay. So this past weekend, the wife uh, – uh, all right, this dog, right, came to my yard. All right. We, this dog, this runaway dog came to my yard, and my wife being the person that adopts all of the oh, dogs no. ever, took the dog in, put it in the backyard. This dog was a genius escape artist. <laughs> um. And she started to dig under our fence, the privacy fence. Well, I guess she just got bored with that and just started brute force tearing that thing out of there. Oh, no. So we went outside. There's just giant hole, no dog in the fence. Mm. So, um, so this weekend I got the opportunity to replace a portion of our privacy fence, um, and that's uh, that's a, that's a good project. That'll wear you out. Oh yes, that digging and nailing. Well, and it was you know it was ninety one degrees outside it was 137 percent humidity and you know it was just it was a summer day in mississippi it's working, like working in an oven yeah yeah pretty much all right hey look look at this we got an email already and this is awesome comes from james he's got three problems which order okay this is actually a real a real problem that this guy's got to work on hmm. my ranch style home It's a conventional foundation built about 1960, needs three things done. My wife and I are both uh, public school teachers, so money is tight. I was wondering in which order we should address the issues. Number one, our textured ceiling. Let's not do the order first before we hear them all, okay? Okay. Number one, our textured ceiling is uh, in the kitchen is showing some mildew, which I'm sure is related to number two, the fact that our attic insulation needs to be reblown. The attic is in good shape, no roof leaks. Mm. And three, in our hallway bathroom, we have a bit of rot on the baseboard and drywall behind the toilet that is creeping into the subfloor. I feel certain I can do the ceiling repainting myself, and I know the bathroom is a bit above my pay grade, maybe not. Do you think I can tackle the insulation myself? I'm a pretty big dude, and our mm. attic crawl space is tiny. Oh, no. No problem, dude. We got this. Uh... <clears throat> well... All right, so the order in which you should do things. First of all, you got a moisture problem, man. Before you yeah. start blowing insulation, you gotta figure out what the deal is with this moisture problem because insulation is just gonna get wet if you've got a moisture issue. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He he really needs to have it
1: inspected to make sure there are no hidden leaks or or um and, and check that with the condensation in the air. And you know, it's it could be a variety
0: of things where where is that coming from but all right there is mold on the paint right Mm -hmm. that is on the ceiling well the ceiling might not be painted it may just be a a popcorn ceiling yeah i've got a big question um i don't know what these folks cook if you use a lot of grease a lot of times that'll get stuck and that stuff can mold real easy but if you've got a um if you've got and, and is it under
1: the, the AC unit, you know, it could be an um, overflowing under pan. Under the
0: register or something. Oh, oh, the overflowing pan. That's a good mm-hmm. point.
1: It could be undetected because no one really gets up under there and look around.
0: Right. And well, with
1: that tiny crawl space, um, and no one's really going up there too much.
0: Right. On the, on the top issue, that ceiling, um, I'm saying before you put down any more insulation or repaint it, because repainting is just going to, cover it up it's not gonna it's not gonna go come right back right Uh um, yeah so don't waste your money on the paint there but you gotta find what's what's causing that mold yes that that's the bigger issue and you're saying that um uh it's it's uh you know like on a tight budget there are a couple of things you know there are mold testers mm-hmm. you can get a mold tester and you can actually buy one of these um another thing you were talking about blowing insulation when you feel like you've got that taken care of meaning whatever that moisture issue is and you want to blow insulation i can tell you blowing insulation uh when you rent the little blower it's messy it's crazy it's fun it's stupid it's hot but it does work well And it's more.
1: It's not just a one-person job either. No, if you're in the attic with the nozzle and someone's got to
0: feed the uh, the machine, right. And that's the thing. He was talking about being a big guy in a small attic. Well, it's got this giant nozzle hooked up to it, you know. So you don't actually have to, you know. I mean, it's not going to be comfortable, but but at the same time, you know, you don't have to touch everything because it it will shoot the stuff out. Yeah, at least ten
1: foot. And, And 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 when in a case like that. I would like to try to put some uh, uh, plywood up there or something, you know, to to kind of to move around on. You know, if you're going to be crawling around you're trying to walk those rafters and you're a big guy, ooh-wee. Right, right.
0: Um, That number three thing, our hallway bathroom, we've got a bit of rot on the baseboard and drywall behind the toilet that's creeping into the subfloor. That's nothing more than a leak, sir. It's right behind the wall there.
1: Those cutoff valves are known to leak or the lines. But somewhere in there is a leak,
0: and and that can easily be uh, tracked and fixed and, and repair that damage. Right. Now, if if your home was built in 19—it says uh, conventional foundation, circa 1960, what sort of wall would you think that is, Dell? I've seen all the way up until the mid-'60s, there were some plaster walls, depending on where you were. But yeah. m- mostly you've seen sheetrock and stuff at some point.
1: Sheetrock and paneling. paneling and, and then
0: yeah. you have a combination of over-the-wall, over-the-years. Mm-hmm. So you never know say, what you're gonna
1: run into when you're yeah, I can today. say if
0: it's sheetrock, uh that's that would be the best thing because it's the easiest to repair and to the mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? As opposed to say paneling, which yes. uh, you know and, and the leak in the slamp or, or some um But you do need to take care of it because that plaster. rock Yeah, that rock going down into the subfloor will eventually be a $20,000 problem instead of a $200 problem. It's going to rot center. that subfloor, too. Oh, yeah. Well, that's and then what I your camolas
1: start to rock.
0: Uh-huh. And and it's just one little
1: leak. I mean, just a, a leak that you can, can't can even see Ski nut mm-hmm. will rot your house over a period of time.
0: Sure. We uh And you know what? As far as in order of the way these things would go, uh, first of all, I go after that toilet first. That baseboard yeah. and the drywall getting wet is going to lead to bad stuff a lot sooner, you know. Um, so I would go after that one first. What do you think, Dale? That's the, that's the
1: simplest fix, the fastest fix, and it stop the damage from continuing on. Mm-hmm. Uh, fix that bathroom. Then uh, make sure you can also get some of these companies that do free estimates on um, tracking mold, uh, the mold dog, mm-hmm. and have them uh, come and sniff it out. And then you can see which way to approach that, whether uh, get them to fix it or you at least have an idea of what it'll take.
0: And uh, go ahead and once you get it all taken care of, you can paint everything up. Yeah, and on the bathroom, take a piece of that wall out and you can see what the leak is, what the situation is. And that way uh, it can be easier for someone to repair. Um, You know what? Let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, this is going to be fun. We're going to have an interview, and our guest is going to be Lisa Braxton of the National Fire Protection Association. And she's going to talk to us about uh, this summertime and fires. Hopefully not as much. Anyway. All right. And, oh, by the way, if you want to share your comments, experience with us, or uh, ask about a project you're working on, you can give us a call at 877 MPB ring. That's 877 672 7464 or send an email to Fixit101 at MPBOnline.org. This is Fixit101 from MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit MPBOnline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back. This is Fix It 101 on MPB Think Radio. I'm Jason Klein here with Contractor Delmore from Affordable Solutions 601. And if you missed any of today's program, you can always subscribe to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB public media app. Also, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call at 877- MPB ring. That's 877 672 7464 or send an email to fixit101 at mpbonline.org. Join the conversation this morning by calling 877 MPB ring, as we said. And on the phone right this moment, we've got Lisa Braxton of NFPA. And you're going, what is NFPA? That is the National Fire Protection Association. Are you with us, Lisa? Oh, wait. Lisa. Are you there?
2: Yes, I'm here. There
0: you go. Sorry about that. That's my problem. I th- I don't know where I thought you were. Um, so, well,
2: welcome. Well, welcome. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, so so this is the National Fire Protection Association. I had never heard of it before Java brought it to my attention. Tell me what you guys do.
2: Well, NFPA is a global nonprofit organization. We were founded in 1896. We seek to eliminate death, injury, property damage, and loss because of fire, electrical, and other hazards. We produce more than 300 consensus codes and standards, research, training, and education. Our oh, you guys do,
0: do codes, that sort of thing?
2: Yes. Yeah, so when you um, look around the public buildings and you see the exit signs that are posted and they're lit, uh-huh. and they have to be a certain height and windows have to be a certain dimension so that firefighters can come in and help people to escape when there's a fire, we write those codes and standards.
0: Oh, wow. I didn't know that. This is, okay. That's a lot more important than I thought. Okay. Yes,
2: we're, we're all over the place. Hey. We're throughout the U.S., and our codes are used in other parts of the world as well.
0: Yeah. Now, there are always some good uh, fire safety habits to practice all year, of course. But let me ask you a couple of things here. Uh, you know, today we're talking about summer and the things that come with that. I relayed a, uh, a story earlier about a, a Thanksgiving incident years ago with a fried turkey. But, um... There are always good fire safety habits to practice all year, but with summer, are there, are there other things in the summer that, that, that you guys see, uh, types of fires that are more common?
2: Well, we um, actually, uh, we focus quite a bit on home fires and home fire safety, uh-huh. and interestingly enough, during the summer months, there's actually a decrease in home fires because people aren't at the stove cooking. They're right. out, they're going on vacation, they're going to restaurants. But we do see that um, the fire, the grill fires, typically, of course, happen during the summer months. In fact, July is the peak month for grill fires, followed by May, then June, and then August. So there is a series of of tips that people need to follow when they're using their grills, when they're doing the outdoor cookouts and, and things of that nature.
0: What what uh, what are some of those? What can you, let's yeah, say I the grill don't come with instructions. Yeah. <laughs> Just burn. <laughs> yeah. you know, and that's the thing. I, we were joking earlier that, you know, here you go. It's July in Mississippi, at least it's a hundred degrees. You know, there's all kinds of humidity. You go outside, you go on your, on your wood deck, uh, you fire up this grill underneath a whole bunch of trees and, and just assume nothing bad's going to happen. What about cooking under the patio? You know? Yeah, under the patio. You know. Yeah, yeah.
2: Right, right. Well, we, we tell people that it's important to set up your grill well away from anything that can burn, including your <laughs> house, your patio, trees. Set it up well away from there, and also make sure that you're in an area where people, your guests or friends, your the children will not um, bump into it. People, kids are playing, they may trip, you don't want anyone near the grill to, to trip on it. And it's also important to let people know this. Go over the safety tips with your guests, with the people um, as they're arriving. And also we tell people that make sure you're using your propane and charcoal barbecue grills only outdoors. Place the grill well away from eaves and branches. Keep the kids away. Keep the pets at least three feet away from the grill. You don't want your, your pet to knock over the grill and start a fire. Yeah, that's and true. clean. Cleaning the grill every time you use it is so important, very important.
0: Really? Why is that? Because, you know, the rest of us are like, let's well, just burn it off. You know, and, you know, you walk away from it. So tell me about the cleaning thing.
2: Well, you don't want the fat to accumulate and then um, be a source of, of, a, of a potential fire. So it's important to keep that grill clean.
0: Yeah, see, I've always seen uh, Java sitting there laughing at me because I know you've done it. You, you, you lit this thing up, you, you did your burgers and hot dogs, all the fat was on there, and you were just like, all right, I'm going to close the lid, turn this thing on high, and walk away for 15 minutes, come back, and it'll be, it'll be fine. That's extra fire starter. Does that not work, Lisa?
2: Well, well, it's just we, we uh, err on the side of caution. And so we say every time you use the grill on that tray underneath it with the, the fat, go ahead and clean that out just to be on the safe side. So it may be over, over safe, but better to be over safe than, than not safe enough. That's what we say.
0: You know what, Lisa? You've just made me kind of change my mind thinking about this. I'm not sure you can uh, get rid of fire by adding more fire to the situation.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you on that.
0: <laughs> so... so um okay so we know what about outdoor entertaining you know another thing that i saw the other day and uh this was mentioned uh, you know i I don't know when this became a thing but citronella candles everywhere and now you can you know and everywhere you go even the big box stores have the ones that look like tiki torches right so they stand six feet tall and put a flame on top and then you just put it around your house somewhere So uh, have you guys had any issues with this kind of stuff, the citronella oil? Citronella
2: citronella fuel is intended only for outdoor use. Right, yes. The the candles you're speaking of, I understand that the citronella candles, um, I I don't know. I'm not familiar with those, but I know if you're using the fuel, the Mm -hmm. fuel itself, Use it outdoors. And I can go over some of the safety tips about the torches that you speak of.
0: Yeah, yeah. What's the deal on the torches? Because, you know, a lot of people buy those, and they do add some great ambiance to a a night out on the deck and everything. But tell me about
2: those. Right, because people need to remember that the fire pots, the personal fireplaces, and the patio torches, they are an open flame. They use gel fuel. And gel fuel is highly flammable, and extreme caution needs to be used. We say that people should never leave a torch unattended. Keep the torches at least a foot from anything that can burn. Make sure the path, sure the, sure the patio torches are secure and not in the path of people, pets. Have a kid-free zone, as I've said before about the grill. Keep kids away, three feet away from the torches. <laughs> Be careful reaching over the devices; clothing or hair could catch fire. Hmm. And also, you mentioned directions. Read the directions that come with your torches before you get started.
0: Uh, well, yeah, Dell was talking about directions. That's the first thing we throw away, right? Yeah, first thing we burn. Right. You may
2: want to actually keep those directions. Might be, a, might be a good thing.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, so have you personally? Okay, Lisa, this is it. Have you personally seen one of these things flame up before?
2: I have not seen a torch cause a problem, uh-huh. but I've been to I've been to cookouts in people's yards where the parent the parents kept a vigil around the torches to make sure the kids who were playing chase didn't bump into them
0: oh that's a good idea so,
2: there are parents who will will actually uh, just be informal security informal security people at the gathering right and stay around the torches stay in the perimeter of the grill to make sure the kids stay away to make sure you know nobody throws a ball that way or something and right. they decide to run over to it so you can actually have little uh, captains of the the safety team for your cookout to um be vigilant about this
0: good idea, yeah, I can designate you know one of six year olds or something <laughs> you stand right, here maybe
2: a, maybe a twenty five year old or so
0: oh yes, yeah or okay or... it's probably better yeah. Yeah, yeah um so okay we're we're uh i want I want you to go ahead and tell me if you are gonna do some parting uh advice about making sure that you are safe from fires during the summer, what would be, say, the top three things that you would tell me?
2: Okay, I would um, say put your device, your grill, well away from the house or any combustibles, keep combustibles off of it, keep the kids and everyone else in a perimeter away, three feet away from it. Mm -hmm. And I would say... well, I would go to plug for NFPA. I would go to nfpa.org mm-hmm. and um, to our public education site, which is right on the, on the main page, and download our grilling safety tip sheet.
0: Oh, wow. There's a grilling safety tip sheet. We
2: have grilling safety. We have um, smoke alarm safety. We have all kinds of safety tip sheets you can use and, and review those. In fact, you can print one out, put it on your refrigerator, and review it before you do your cookout.
0: You know what? We may link to that today.
2: So,
0: uh, on, on our site, we may link back to yours on the show. Thank you for coming on. Lisa Braxton of NFPA, which is the National Fire Protection Association. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. We hope you have a great summer and that you're absolutely bored to tears because there's nothing going on. That's I what we so. want for you.
2: Well, thank you so much.
0: Thanks a lot. You have a great day. I All right. You know, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll come back uh, after the break. Like it or not, summer is here, and so is your summer home maintenance checklist. we got a couple of things for you to do. What do you at your house, uh, how do you welcome summer with projects? Like, what do you do? You know, I worked on the fence. Are you painting something? Are you cleaning something? What are you working on? 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or you can send an email to fixit101 at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back. Informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up to
1: date severe weather info, and a state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi.
0: You're listening to MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is Fix It 101 on MPB Think Radio. I'm Jason Klein here with contractor Del Moore from Affordable Solutions 601. Mr. Jeff Simmons from Houseworks is out this week. If you uh, missed any of today's program, you can always subscribe to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB Public Media app. Also, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. Lines are open now. We can answer your question, 877-672-7464. Or send an email to fixit101 at org. Dale, we were talking today about summer maintenance, and uh, we just did fire safety uh, with the National Fire Protection Association. But some of the summer checklists, what's going on? Man, I didn't realize how unsafe
1: my barbecues have been in the past, you know, till I just heard what, what she said. You know, I got the grill, I got dominoes. We're playing dominoes by the grill. Keys right. running everywhere. And, and it's now, kind of, yeah, I mean,
0: if you said you said during the break, Dell was like, "Man, I bet there's nothing going on at that barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> just sit sitting there waiting for, your, wait food. for your food. <laughs> <laughs> None of that laughing. Okay, uh, s- uh, you know what? Summer maintenance is going on, but you know what? By the way, we laugh, but it, it is serious. Yeah, it's serious. It, yes, don't
1: burn your house it, down. Really.
0: All you're doing is making a fire in your backyard. That's what a grill is. Yes. <laughs> so be careful. Anyway, um, summer maintenance number one. And we have talked about this at least a hundred times, Dale. Every year this comes up and it's the same topic twice a year. You ready?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What to do with your ceiling fan in the summer? <laughs> The
1: biggest debate. The biggest uh, debate.
0: And, and uh, Java said yesterday, we were we were planning on this show, and he said, okay, Jason, which way does the ceiling fan go in the summer? And I'm like, which website are you looking at? I, don't, I mean, you know. Yes, it depends on the person. Everybody, what feels best to you? I will say that we agreed, and he's got it in bold print here. Reverse the ceiling fan, quote, so it blows down. He wants to blow down, blow the air down during the summer. Okay. Are you thinking about that? You're thinking about that. Because the hot air rises up and you want it to blow down? You know, the problem with the ceiling fan question is that everyone's a physicist all of a sudden. When you start talking about the ceiling fan. Yes, people call in with all kind of (laughs) reasons why. Right. So, anyway, uh, if it blows down, you'll feel cooler. How's that? There you go. If you'll feel cooler, um, you can, uh, also inspect your house exterior. This is neat. You know what I found the other day when I was weed eating mm-hmm. on one side of my house on a corner, there was a little hole. Wow. What is that? You know? Yes. Well, that's, uh, some sort of critter was, you know, chewing, you know, chewing the house. So you got to do something about that. But, you know, inspect the house. Walk around and see that everything is going all right. You know, things that you want to look for. If you've got a conventional found or a, a, a slab foundation, you know, concrete, mm-hmm. something that you really want to look for, look around and see if you can see any, like, they look like kind of dirt trails that go up the concrete into your siding. Mm-hmm. Uh, that could be termites. Oh, you, know? wow. you just kind of want to look around the house and see... You know, if you see anything off base. Yeah, because this is
1: the uh, summer inspection. So you have to look a little thorough than just walking by the house. You got to really look behind the shrubs and, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, look up close, the window seals mm-hmm. and, and all your esophagus vents and things like that. Look, just just yeah. check
0: around. After all the rain, you're going to want to look for mold. You're going to want to look for, you know, places that don't get a lot of sun and make sure that those are taken care of because they will mold up, you know. Uh, time of the year where you can wash your house, really get something out of that. A good time to repair and repaint any chipped, cracking, or faded paint. Do it now before July. Um, (laughs) It's not even worth it in July. It's too hot. Yeah. Also, you know, uh, inside the house, clean your air condition filter. It's a great time to go ahead and change out. You just went through spring, all that dust. You probably did some cleaning, something like that. It's toast. Get another one or clean it.
1: Yeah, I'm going to have to take the shop back out and take it in there. because uh, Changing the filter is one thing, but I got one of those uh, floor unit, package units. I need to vacuum everything out of there. You know,
0: kids throwing crayons and everything. (laughs) That's a good idea. That is a good idea. An outdoor unit, uh, and we've heard from our AC guy, Timmy McClendon, uh, the outdoor unit, you're supposed to, you know, the the big thing that looks like it has the fins all on the inside, Mm -hmm. you spray that down with just a regular water hose and not pressurized with anything greater than your thumb. Mm-hmm. That was his rule because if you put too much pressure on those little fin thin looking things, you those know, the metal walls can easily yeah, they be bend. damaged. They bend, and then they won't accept air. And,
1: and, and, and your won't. unit
0: is going to um eat itself alive. It's right. going to destroy itself. Right. So when you clean that out, and the stuff that can get in there is like, you know, a lot of times you'll see a lot of grass clippings and things like that or weed eating. From from where you've, you know, cleaned up around this, and, it, and it, you know, anything in the air, if the air condition's on, is going to get sucked into it. Yes. So So it, it gets a lot of junk in there. So that's what you want to do. You just... Just blow it out with water from a garden hose with your thumb, and that should make it easier. Another thing, if Jeff were here, and he's told us this a hundred times, but um, the closed dryer vent pipe oh, is yes. the cause of so many house fires. Yes, and, and especially when you add Mississippi temperatures to this, uh, you know, you add those temperatures, those outside temperatures, and uh, dryers' heat going out into those temperatures, past all this dry lint. And all this other stuff in the pipe. It just, that is a way to start a fire in a home almost guaranteed. So do check that. The closed dryer vent pipe going outside. They even make a little tool that you can buy at the box stores that hooks up to your drill. I've got one of these at home and it has this long flexible line and you can kind of, it's got a brush on the front. So you put that brush in the line into the tube from the outside. Mm-hmm. And spin that drill, and it just spins all that all that fuzz and stuff out of there. Yes, on I, I the gross side, folks. Out. I got to be honest, but it really works. In, and let me tell you this: your dryer will work twice as good. Um, it, it's amazing because what happens is all that lint and stuff is stuck in that pipe, and it's not letting it force all the air out as as efficiently. So all of a sudden, your dryer dries clothes faster. Yeah, it's you know, like it a works honorably. Yeah, yeah, it's the exact same thing. It just works better. So that's something you want to look for. Okay, yeah, let's go to uh email real quick. By the way, the phone lines are open 877 MPB ring. That's 877-672-7464 if you've got a uh, uh a project that you're working on. All right, so here we go. Got an email from Bob and he wanted to talk about something that we've talked about in the past here. Okay. Hmm. One of the topics that has come up, I don't even know how many times on this show is, is, uh, filling in your garage or carport, making another room out of that space. Yes. You know, uh, we even did an entire show on remodeling the garage or carport uh, to make it a second space. Well, we got a uh, email from Bob and this is, this is interesting. Just an FYI. I have been a Mississippi state certified appraiser. For many years. Interesting. Many folks believe that enclosing the carport or making the garage into a den automatically adds to the value of their home. Mm-mm. Not necessarily. If it isn't done in a professional manner, one similar to the rest of the home, it could take away from the value of your home. So in other words, if it if it looks kind of cheap and stuff compared to the rest of the home, you know, uh, the cost to turn it back into a garage or a carport could be deducted from the value of the home. Now, that just got spooky. Wow. You know what I'm saying? So if you do a bad job, it may actually cost you money to to fix it. Uh, so if you're going to do it, do it right. Make it look like the rest of your living area when it's complete, even if you have to raise the slab inside mm-hmm. the garage to bring it up to the grade of your existing living area. Wow. We talked about that because, you know, the, the garage is usually a step down from the living area. And it's sloped out. Right, right. So you, you have to fix that, you know, concrete. Um, anyway in the garage, bring it up to the grade. It has to be heated and cooled, mm-hmm. and it has to be properly heated and cooled. And you can get a separate unit. You know, we talked about mini splits and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. but it, it has to be heated and cooled. Otherwise, it's just going to, you know, if the air sits there, gets moisture, uh, gets moldy.
1: And it's, uh, it's got to be insulated, and I would say fully completed. Don't, you know cheat yourself with um, leaving the concrete floor or something, you know,
0: finish the whole thing. Right. And as Bob says, and remember he pointed out, he is a state-certified appraiser. uh, Make sure it is done to code. Yes. I wonder how often he sees that, a garage that has been filled in by uh, somebody like Jason Klein of Fix-It 101. And, you know, the outlets are all upside down and, you know, the water goes backwards and the heat's on the left and, you know. Anyway, what and, and then to
1: use the right product to um, for the job. I had one customer try to use um, OSB for siding. I was like, it's just not going to work. No, you know, it's what not. and paint it. Well, they they thought it would be okay, folks. Uh, what he's <laughs>
0: talking about OSB is it's uh, wood that people use on on the 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 outside of the home. But under the um, the signing under or, the or siding, the the finished product. Right, right. So, uh, so there is OSB on a lot of houses, but you know, probably it's should not put some made siding to
1: stand out in the weather. Nope. And I've seen people use that. Like they, I don't know if they were going to come back at a later time and do something else, but some the signing. structure that's just a waste
0: of material. Right. All right, let's go. Uh, let's go to the phones here. Kathleen is on the line in Osaka, a regular caller. Kathleen, how's it going?
2: Uh, it's going okay. Could be better. I've got a slight problem. I'm only 5'4".
0: That's not a problem.
2: That's not going to change.
0: Okay.
2: I need a counter in my kitchen. All the counters I've looked at are much taller. Mm -hmm. Now, if I need to pick up a pot from the counter or put it into the sink, what would be a height for someone that is short? when I reach up, if the, the the counters are four or five inches taller, and when I'm I'm automatically lifting my arms up, and I know Osha's got something to say about that. If y'all could find out what I should do, approximately what inch, and what should I check, and I'll just listen off air because okay. I, I want to take all this down. Okay. Okay. Um. Wow,
0: she wants to take all this down. I don't know if I got enough to say about
1: that. <laughs> the, the thing um, is they all come a standard size just about
0: they do standard height
1: like you say cold um
0: it's like 32 34 something like that Yeah, in between that
1: like a a, um chair railing and things like that they're all at the same
0: height for now now uh we have talked on a show that we did here one time uh and kathleen this might be what you're hearing and we can go back and do some research for you but we did a show on accessibility Mm -hmm. uh for for folks that that find themselves in situations where they can't reach high places or, or uh, any sort of disability, or even just, Hey, I'm older and I don't want to do that anymore. So, and, but, but they can lower Mm -hmm. all the cabinetry. You can get all of the stuff custom done. Of course, you know, whenever you use the word custom, just substitute that for money. Yeah. That's just money. (laughs) But, but it can be done. And, and, if you're saying four to five inches too high, that sounds like the perfect height to lower it. If that's what you're saying, mm-hmm. makes it uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, because if not, you will have to look at maybe getting a step ladder or, you know, two-step, keeping it in the kitchen or putting um, pots on a, a roll cart and transferring it like inventory and
0: things like that. But And the first thing I'd probably say before you go cutting wood to make your uh, – Kitchen. See if you can rearrange the kitchen so that it's the things that you need the most are on the now, bottom. Uh,
1: yes, yeah. yes. And get some mechanical um, hardware too that can slide out and in, like yeah, some a dish drawers and things. And some
0: drawers, yeah. And you can buy drawers um, in in like the organization section at mm-hmm. most box stores or whatever. And and you can just screw them in there, and you can have a sliding drawer with all of your pots and pans any way you want to do that but i would i would i would take as many things as i can that you actually use and put it down yes uh outside of that yes you can get a custom made cabinetry and that would be the way to go you know what when jeff gets in we'll ask him we'll do some research here anyway number to call is 877 mpb ring that's eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. uh that's what you want to do you want to call us because we're going to continue our discussion after the break <laughs> what do you do at your house during the summer What other projects are you working on? Uh, I know it got hot, but you can still work outside. Or if you want to, you can go inside. 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or send an email to fixit101 at mpbonline.org. We'll be right back. Welcome back. This is Fix It One Hundred and One on MPB Think Radio. I'm Jason Klein here with contractor Dell Moore from Affordable Solutions Six Hundred One. If you missed any of today's program, you can always subscribe to the podcast using any podcast app or the MPB Public Media app. Also, if you want to join the conversation this morning, give us a call at eight seven seven MPB Ring. That's 877-672-7464. Or send an email to fixit101 at mpbonline.org. Got a free contractor right here to answer your questions for your project going on. All right, got an email here. Dell. you ready for this one? Oh, yes. Love this. A slat is broken on a chair back, and I don't have the missing piece. Mm. Um, What's the best way to fix this? Okay, you ready? She said a slat is broken on a chair back, and she says I don't have the missing piece. Well, if it's a slat, then there's another slat, mm-hmm. right? The, does that that makes sense. In yes. other words, you can take another slat out mm-hmm. and 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 take it to a number of different places based on the, on the design of the thing, yeah, the mold shop, uh huh, and get and get one made or. Uh, You can go to – you know, uh, all around the state there are are stores where you can buy uh, things that have been taken from old houses Mm -hmm. and and things like that. Uh, Check that out, and you might be able to just find one sitting on a shelf. Yeah,
1: and and it uh, um – Craft store, they might have some um, unfinished that are
0: just right for your need. Right, right, and and of course you can carve those out. I know you're thinking, boy, this sounds really tough. No, but other other people can do this stuff. They just need to see it. And one other thing that you can try is need to take uh, a couple of pictures of it in in very good detail from different angles. Then get a measurement of the of the slat itself, and you can take that to someone and say, "Can you make this?" And and it's a it's a little harder without another piece, but, but with the right dimensions, they can do it. Yeah, the wood mill shop are definitely um, copy that. Yes. All right. Oh, uh, Paul's on the line in Bolton and wanted to help us out and tell us a solution for counter height. Paul, are you with us?
3: Yeah. Well, it's uh, a lot cheaper than custom cabinets, but it's not elegant. But you guys can probably take this and make it elegant. And what I would do in a situation like that is build a two-by-four or even a two-by-three frame, put it together with screws around your kitchen, put mm-hmm. a, a little floor on it that looks not so bad with screws, and that would raise the height of this lady. Of the floor. The perfect height mm-hmm. for those counters, and it should not interfere with cabinet bottom cabinet doors opening if it's done properly.
0: Whoa, Paul, that's a good idea. Backwards, but I love it. Mm-hmm. Cost
3: a fraction of what custom cabinets would.
0: You're right, because the, the rest is just two by fours and underlayment with some, uh, you got it. With you some got sort it. of flooring on it. It could be okay. anything from linoleum to stone. You got it. Yeah.
3: Okay. Make it elegant, guys.
0: Yeah. I don't know what, right. what the code will be for that, but
1: <clears throat> I'm sure we could.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you know that's going to be cheating it a little bit. Right. Um, but But you know what? Um, it's not a horrible idea. The only yeah. thing about it that that uh, needs configuring is thinking about the step to get up to it.
1: Yeah, just a little slope ramp, you know. Well,
0: yeah, and it depends on the person because some people like the slopes, but slopes make me, make me want to fall. I'd prefer yeah. a step. Yeah. You know? Um. So, but anyway, that's a that's a really good idea. Like you said, I don't know how much that goes with code. Yeah, but because uh, that so may
1: warn you know. Is what? Well, it's usually, um, you know, you usually have two floors there. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. for you know, the, the, not to step through. <laughs> but All right. she's not a heavy person, so it might could just work as a raised stage or platform. There you go. All
0: right, hey, thanks, Paul. We appreciate that, man.
3: All right, one of the benefits is that you could easily move it. You to take it out.
0: Oh you know, yeah, in pieces. That's the whole point. Yeah.
3: And so that you wouldn't have to worry too much about code because when you got ready to resell, you could just take that sucker out and there would be no marring on the floor at all.
1: And that'll keep your resale value up because once you modernize those cabinets, no one's going to want it. You know,
0: only only someone who is similarly accessible. Yes. All right, guys. Hey, appreciate it, Paul. Thanks. Uh, number to call is 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. All right, here's one of the biggest questions we get on Fix It 101. Are you ready to fumble through this again, Dell?
1: Okay, here, All we right, go. here we
0: go. Is there a way for a homeowner to know whether a wall is load-bearing without a contractor looking at it? I'm not going to remodel at the moment, but would like to know for future plans. The wall in question is between my living room and the kitchen. The living room has a vaulted ceiling, but the kitchen does not. Thanks for your help. So, the living room has a vaulted ceiling. The kitchen does not have a vaulted ceiling. You, uh, you know, it it very well much could be. Um, you know, some of the stuff. Some of the easier indicators to find out. First of all, is which way. The joists are going. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, are they resting, resting on that wall? Right. <clears throat> are they resting on the wall? If the joists is resting on the wall, it's holding the weight. Yes. Um, but let me let me say this. That's hard to tell unless you're in the attic so you can see which way the boards are going. You know what I'm saying? Yes. It's you hard need to tell attic from the, access. You know, right. You need attic access to tell that. However, um, you know, don't let that stop you. You can still do, let's say if you wanted to do a window in that wall instead of uh, taking the whole wall down, Mm -hmm. you can do a reinforced window and just put a header in. You can still, uh, even if you want to take the wall down, you can still put a header in. Headers can get very expensive depending on how much that wall is holding, though. Yes. Um, You know, if it's holding up the center of the house, you know, you're going to need something substantial and it's going to be costly. But but just about any wall can taken down, be taken down if it's properly supported.
1: You know, I had one of my uh, structure engineer friends to tell me that because I, I want to remove a wall at the home, and he said I could have the header built over top and attach my uh, existing uh, ceiling joists to it. That way, to keep uh, the open ceilings the same instead right. of having a box down. Oh yeah. And I was like, "Wow." Okay. I, I like that for his – I wanted it to be open, but I was going to have the beam up under there. Right. But he was like, "You know, for a few dollars more." And I was like, "Huh?" Mhm.
0: I guess so for a few dollars more. You can't right. do that uh, overhead uh, header. And I I see nothing wrong with that. I mean, if it if it opens it just up the space. going to have support up under it. Yeah, if it opens up the space and you know a lot of people what they're doing now is that even if you've got a load-bearing wall, you can go with columns and use column wraps. Mm-hmm. You, you follow what I'm saying? In other words, what you need are the things that's holding it up. Well, a lot of times, that might just be a steel bar underneath there or a couple of two-by-fours underneath yeah. there. Either way, you can use a column wrap to make it, and, and it looks like a, a you know like a, a Greek column. Yeah. Somehow,
1: I've gotten in my head, I want to open everything up, and just only thing private is the bedrooms and bathrooms. I just want everything open in columns here and there. Right. So I've been
0: looking at it, and... Drawing some blueprints and talking mm. with people. so I think columns are a good way to go. Yeah. All right. I uh, got another email here real quick. A mystery soggy spot in the yard. I love this. I've noticed a consistent soggy spot in my yard. I'm about 10 feet from the foundation of the house and 20 feet from the water main supply. Hmm. The overflow from the septic tank exits about 30 feet from the wet spot, but about four or five feet lower on elevation. What could this be and who should I call to investigate? 10 feet away? Um, Let me ask. um, I wonder if you've got drain pipes from the gutter pushing that. The the interesting thing about what you said is it's 10 feet away, which is about. um, That should be the runoff of the house. That should be the runoff of the house. Right. That's what I'm saying. Uh, About 10 feet from the foundation of the house is what they recommend to move the water to is about 10 feet away from the foundation. So I'm wondering if someone put uh, an outlet near that part of the ground. In other words, from the from the gutters or drains underground. You know how you run the black mm-hmm. tubing underground to move that water? You know, that may be something.
1: It, it needs to be investigated with a train eye just to see if it's a low spot where the water is selling
0: or could it be a leak underground? Well, and yeah. And the other thing is that do you have any trees near that area? Uh, if you do... If you've got, I just saw it last week in my neighborhood. Someone literally had to pull up this ancient, old, beautiful tree because it had grown straight into their pipes and there was no way around it. They had oh, to pull yeah. the tree down, you know. Uh, otherwise, you'd have to plumb around this tree and, and, you know, it's 150 years old. The and roots it's, it's
1: just a matter of time for the tree to reach out again.
0: Right. And, and, and does it again. So, so, you know, there are a lot of factors there, but I'm, I'm saying that that can be investigated. It's definitely something that's, in my opinion, coming in from the house. What do you think, Del? Yeah. It could away. be
1: as simple as just a low spot needs building up with a little dirt and um, finishing the grade off. But it oh, could be uh, expensive, like um, like you said, pipes underground with roots or a line ruptured. Or...
0: I, you know what, though? I, I always like to try the simpler solutions first, yeah. so I want to try your dirt solution first. Yes,
1: grade it off with some dirt that could make everything flow right on out.
0: Oh wow, that's but a good idea. That's something. This know is why you get paid for it, not all. If
1: the level, of, you know, if if your your grade is uneven there, and you
0: can tell if it needs building up. How can you tell that? Well, if it'd be a low spot there. Oh, okay, I'm with you. It just just kind of goes down. All right, <laughs> Fix It One Hundred and One is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded by the generous contributions from listeners like you. Our show is produced by Mister Java Chapman. Our call screener today was Liz Gill. For Del Moore and our guest, Lisa Braxton from the NFPA, I'm Jason Klein. Stay tuned for our Wednesday 10 a.m. show, Everyday Tech with Michelle McAdoo, and join us next Wednesday at 9 for Fix It 101 only on MPB Think Radio.